What's right with you? How do you find out? How can you improve your finances, health, relationships, business, and more? Welcome to the Access Consciousness Radio Show. We'll help you find that awareness with tools that actually work. Now, here are your hosts, the founders of Access Consciousness, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane Here. Welcome to Hello, everybody. It's Gary Douglas, founder of Access Consciousness. And Dr. Dane here. That's not Dr. Dane here. That's <laughs> Blossom Benedict. Hi. Hi. Thanks for being on today, Blossom. Oh, thanks for having me. It's always such a pleasure. Well, I know it's going to be a tough subject for you because where is your unhappiness is the subject. <sighs> I actually like happiness. I know, which is why I said it would be a hard one for you to do. <laughs> That's all right. We can tap into all the unhappiness around the world. We know it's a popular topic, at least. No, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. So what was it? um, Two years ago, we did a happiness class. Yeah, that was a really bad class. (laughs) That was very well attended. Not at all. We had a live streaming. It was you know, around the world, we had a total of 20 people that were interested in happiness. Yeah. You know, it's like, that was a great sadness to me to realize that so few people realized that happiness could be a choice. They actually believe they have to live with their unhappiness, yeah. which is quite strange. So what is that? Do you, I know you tell the story of happy being your priority your whole life. Do you feel like people don't even see it as a possibility or... Don't see it as a priority or a possibility. Hmm. Well, what can we change in the next hour then? Nothing. <laughs> oh. Keep it forever. Because people love their unhappiness. It's like unhappiness is something that you know they know works for them. Yeah. Where happiness, I'm not so sure. Hmm. So we could do a process though. So what have you made so vital about your unhappiness that you have given it you have given up happiness in order to keep it? Hmm. Everything that is times a godzillion, we just try to create it all. Yeah. Right and wrong, good and bad, pot and pock, all nine shorts, boys and beyonds. Wow. You know, Gary, one of the most useful pieces of information I feel like you've given me was around um, the superiority in wanting things for people that they don't want for themselves. And this, with happiness, that's a tricky topic for me, but having to look at some people just really like to be unhappy. Yes, they love unhappiness because unhappiness is something they have, you know, long since decided they can overcome. You know, when, when I was a little kid, it's like I've told this story probably too many times, but uh, when I was a little kid, people would say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'd go, happy. And they go, no, no, what do you want to be when you grow up? I went, happy. <laughs> they go, you must not understand the question. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh. I, I, you know, it's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? A doctor, a lawyer, an Indian chief? Yeah, as long as I'm happy. Mm. 
And it's like they didn't understand why I would choose happiness. But I looked around me and I saw all kinds of people choosing unhappiness. And I thought that if you had a choice in life, you would always choose happiness. Mm. You would never choose unhappiness. But it's like I noticed people choosing unhappiness. I'd go to church as a kid. I took my little sister when I was like 10. And I took him in and... I took him and I said, okay, here's the deal. Okay, so it's like we're going to church because I want to be, you know, I want to be religious. And we went to church and these people would be going, praise Jesus, praise Jesus. And then they'd shake hands. And then on Monday, I'd see them scowling and being miserable and unhappy and outraged Mm. to do this stuff. It's like, it was just amazing to me because I would see them do unkind things to each other on Monday after glad-handing each other on Sunday. Yeah. It's like, I don't understand you people. Yeah. But I never understand. I never understood the, you know, the craziness that people choose. Why would you choose that when you have something else you could choose? Yeah. You could have happiness. Why would you choose unhappiness? Yeah. But most people do choose unhappiness. I mean, it's like, it's so interesting, but it's like we're trained to it too. Mm-hmm. You ever notice that when you're unhappy, people go, oh, what's wrong with you, darling? But if you're happy, they go, what drag are you on? Yep. I, when I first moved to New York, I was really just happy. I was so excited by everything. And I remember calling a couple of friends and, and going, I have no reason I'm calling. I'm just so happy. Literally. And um, nobody knew what to do with that conversation. They were like, well, that's great. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, I know. That's great. I'll talk to you later. Yeah. Which is the way it's all done. Yeah. So, Gary, I feel like a lot of it also has to do with sort of the training that happiness comes from other things, meaning like you're supposed to be unhappy until you get all the things you want. Yeah, you'll be happy once you get. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's actually the way they train. We are trained from day one to learn to consume. Yeah. You know, it's like learning to consume is one of the, you know, primary things that we do here. You know, it's like, uh, you know, it's like my ex-wife used to go out and she'd go out and spend $2,000 a weekend on new clothes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and it was for her, it was retail, you know, retail therapy. She'd be happy for all of Sunday after spending all this money on Saturday. Mm. Then Monday, she'd go to work and she'd be unhappy again. Oh. It's like, and then she'd wait until Friday and then she'd be all excited about having enough money to go out and buy more clothes. But literally, it was always about how she could buy happiness, not she was happy, not she enjoyed being happy. And it's like, I remember I took her away one time and I, I took her to uh, this place where, you know, where it was like there were big fields and, you know, panoramic views and stuff. And it was, there was nobody there. And she goes, I hate this. I go, what? She says, it's so lonely here. I said, what? Because I didn't understand because she had grown up in, you know, the East you know, the East Coast, and she'd grown up where everything was tight, where there were lots of, where there was no space, where things were all up and down if possible. Mm. 
So space felt lonely. Yeah. Um, so how do we, I, I guess I just want to ask, like, what are, what are the other choices? How do we? Well, you got to look at, so what do you want to have? What do you want to create? What do you want to generate? What's really important to you? And it's like, if you don't get, do you have a choice for happiness? And it's available to you if you choose it. It's like, you'll always look to what you don't have rather than what you do have. Mm-hmm. I, I noticed uh, like a whole lot of the people in access it's like when, when there's a place where they don't have something, it's all about what they don't have. When they actually do have something, it's all about, oh, it's all about what they're going to lose. It's like if you look to what you're going to lose, you look to what you don't have, then all you can do is judge that somehow you have less than what you should, which means you've got to make yourself unhappy. Wow, so that's the big lie, and if you get something, you'll be happy, because the flip side is then you have something to lose to make you unhappy. So, And then the unhappiness is, but what if I lose it? Wow. What, what do I get by, you know, by being here? Yeah. You know, I, was, I was most amused because I helped a friend the other day uh, rearrange her house. And it's like, and I said, why are you acting like you have no money? And she goes, well, I'm like, you know, I don't have as much as I used to have. I said, I don't have as much as I used to have is not no money. Mm. It's just not as much as you had. So instead of having great caviar, you could have some great cheese with your wine. Mm. You know, it's like you could do things to have the hedonistic view that your life actually is. And part of what creates a sense of happiness is, oh, yeah, a hedonistic point of view, you know. Pleasure seeking of life. So, if she raises the bar, then so when she had her top amount of money, did that create a new bar for happiness or something? No, it's like when she didn't have it, that created the reality of unhappiness. A new bar for unhappiness. Okay, so basically, there's no standard for happiness in this picture. Oh. In this, in this <laughs> picture, there's no happiness happiness standard. It's huh. like, and it's like, and most people have the point of view is someday when my ship comes in, someday when I win the lottery, someday, someday, someday. Yeah. Is someday a reality or is someday what you, you know, need to choose? What would happen if you were choosing? The crazy flip side to me with this, Gary, is that when I choose total happiness that is when all the someday things I would wish for show up, but not because I'm wishing, because I'm happy. I know. It's weird because actually, you know, it's like I keep trying to, I, I keep trying to get people to recognize, you know, it's like money, you know, it's like if you're having a party and you want, you know, and you wanted to invite money, you'd have to go, let's say money, you know, it's like, would you like to come to my party? And if money said to you, so what's your party going to be like? Well, it's going to be miserable and unhappy. And we won't talk much and we won't eat anything and we won't have a good time. And it's going to be pretty much miserable, but you can come. <laughs> Would you go to a party like that? I wouldn't. Yeah, no, thank you. Oh, thank you. Not interested. Mm. I mean, it was so funny because like I looked at this, this whole idea and it's like if you didn't function from the point of view of what I don't have or what I should have, it's like if we started to function from what we could have, And what we do have, it's like, okay, so it's like today is a different world. I was kind of, you know, it's like I I had an experience when I was 17. My dad died. And, you know, it's like 
One day he was alive, the next day he was dead. And it's like, I was so shocked that it could be that quick, that your life could be over with that kind of intensity. And one of the things I had noticed that the, the two years before my dad died, he changed. He started doing things he wanted to do. He started to do things he liked. He started to do, he wasn't just working to create. He wasn't just working to create more for his family. He was working to actually have a good time too. Mm-hmm. And he was happier than I'd ever seen him. But he had been given a life sentence, literally. He was told, you got two years to live. That's the sum total of your life. And at that time, they didn't have, you know, he had heart disease. He had heart arteriosclerosis, hardening of the arteries around the heart. Today, that would be no big deal. They'd do an operation and he'd be fine. Mm-hmm. But then, they didn't do that kind of operation. It wasn't part of the gig, quote unquote. They literally, you, you know, if you had a heart problem, you died. Wow, how cool. Heart problem, death. Nice choice. So it's like he knew he was going to die, so he changed the way he lived. And I realized after he was gone, oh, that's why he changed the way he lived, because he knew he was going to die. So how could you live today if you knew you were dying tomorrow? Would you live with, you know, more happiness or less? I've heard you say that so many times, Gary, and I always wonder, how how do you really get the energy of... It's like the question, if money weren't the issue, what would you choose? I used to ask that all the time without really getting the energy of if money weren't the issue. And same with now I ask, if this were the last day of my life, how would I live? Yeah. Do you have any other ways to really get what that is for you? Well, the thing is, it's like what you got to get for you. It's like, okay, it's like if you actually knew you were going to die tomorrow, what would be... Who would you want to talk to? Well, you, actually. <laughs> like, you know, but it's like, yeah. literally start looking at who you want to talk to. And what yeah. would you say? It's like, if you knew you were going to die tomorrow, or if you knew the person you were going to talk to was going to die tomorrow, mm. what would you say to him today? You know, and people use anger and they use, you know, they use, they're angry, they're upset, they're, you know, furious, they're Nothing is, you know, nothing seems like it has any value to them. Mm-hmm. And yet, the one thing that's true is you could have a different reality and a different choice. That's amazing, just that question. If, if the person you were talking to was going to die tomorrow, what would you say to them? I've never asked that. That would change every conversation, really. It would, because you realize, oh, this person could be dead tomorrow. I could be dead tomorrow. What would happen? It creates so much caring, like the and you kindness. To realize how you have to care and how you have to function. Yeah. And the caring you have to function from. Mm. And that's a whole different universe. Oh. You have to have a different way of looking at things. You have to have a different possibility. You have to see that something is great and something is possible. What if you what if you looked at, you know, everything from the point of view of this will, you know, you, you know, you will not have this, this will not occur. You will not have this, this will not occur. You mean as though this may, could be gone tomorrow? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally different universe. 
yeah, totally different universe. And you never see life quite the same way if you recognize there's no truth in the idea that, you know, you need to be better or you need to be worse. But this is a very, you know, heavy conversation. Oh, my God, how do we get this heaviness? <laughs> it's because you named the call about happiness and unhappiness. Of course it's going to be heavy. I need to change my point of view, apparently. That's, you know, uh, you know Gary, I feel like sometimes when people look at that energy, if this is the last conversation or if I'm going to die tomorrow, they feel like they wouldn't get anything done. And Except you would get a lot done because you'd know what you wanted to accomplish that day. Or most people have no idea. But you know what? We're going to have to come back and talk about this you know, later because we're, we're 30 seconds from, you know, from commercials. So join us a little further on here with some more information about unhappiness or happiness, choice, choose. And we'll be back in, you know, this is Gary Douglas and Blossom Benedict with the Access Consciousness on Voice America, the Empowerment Channel. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. What would you say if I told you that you could change your life in only one hour and all while lying down relaxing? Thousands of people all over the world have. What am I talking about? It's called Access Consciousness The Bars. The Bars is an energetic body process that contains 32 different points on your head that when run assist you in releasing decisions about any area of your life that you have made solid and as a result cannot change. The Bars is the first class in Access Consciousness a dynamic set of tools and information designed to transform any area of your life. When you have a bar session, the worst that can happen is you feel like you had a fantastic massage. The best thing that can happen is your whole life could change. Go to accessconsciousness.com today to find a facilitator to schedule a private session or to find a bars class in your area. Are you willing to give yourself an hour to change your life? When you're pondering the big questions like, is there more than this? How can I have a happy relationship? What would it take to like my body? And how do I make more money? Where do you go for information and tools? Check out the online store at accessconsciousness.com. Accessconsciousness.com has books, DVDs, instant video and audio downloads, online classes and so much more. Subjects include abuse, changing your body, recovery, raising children, business techniques, tools to generate more money, how to have better sex and healthier relationships, just to name a few. At accessconsciousness.com, you can also find facilitators who teach local classes on a variety of subjects. Accessconsciousness.com, your one-stop shop for tools to assist you in changing your life. All of life comes to us with ease, joy, and glory. Go to accessconsciousness.com to learn more. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Access Consciousness. 
To join in on the discussion today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to va at accessconsciousness.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to Okay, everybody, welcome back. It's Gary with Blossom Benedict. Hi, hi. Hi. So it's like, so uh, I just want to mention last week I said we, you know, it's like that I would like to go back to New York City and start doing classes again. And I said, you know, if anybody knew any ways to help us, that we'd be grateful. So it's like if you can contact us at, you know, accessconsciousness.com and let us know anybody you know could help us start getting some classes going there. It would be awesome. And that would make me happy. <laughs> Why would I be happy going to New York? Because I like New York. It is a perfect city for a hedonist, huh? It is. And, and we have Blossom Benedict, who can do musical comedy in New York. And I love New York. Exactly. I'm, uh, that is massive incentive. Please, yeah. everyone, write in. We want to see shows and eat caviar. So if you have anybody who can help us, it would be great. Because we, you know, we really like to have more chance to go to New York again. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time since we made it to New York. And it's like, it would be great to get back in the New York swing of things. Mm-hmm. New York, New York. A hell of a town. Yeah, my kind of town. <laughs> okay, so that would be happy. That's happiness. That's what I call happiness. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we were talking about before the break, it's like you, you had asked me a question about how do you know what to do to get that sense of happiness? And it's like literally if you just spend the time imagining what it would be like, what it would be like if you knew that, you know, your best friend was dying tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I, I, you know, years ago I was doing channeling. And I had this really good friend, and I just, you know, and he kept asking me to channel for him. But every time I did, the channel would leave, and I'd go weird. And I, wouldn't, I couldn't figure out what was going on. And it, everything looked black. He would ask about his future, and everything looked black. And I didn't, didn't want to see what it was that was happening. I would not look at it. And it turned out, we, you know, it's like we left. We, you know, we left. Uh... I left him the last time I saw him. I left him. And the next day, he was in an accident where a young kid ran over him while he was on his bike. And the kid was speeding. The sun got in his eyes, and he hit my friend and killed him. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, it was horrible that that's what happened. And you and knew it. I knew it, and I didn't want to know it. And the thing is, it's like, if I had known that he was going to die, the previous months before he died, I would have probably spent a whole lot of time with him. I probably would have made an effort to be, be around him, be near him, something. Mm. I was not willing. I was not willing to be that close. Mm. Really sad. Mm. Well, and... You know, there seems to be this thing like if if someone was going to die, you'd just sit around spending time with them or you'd sit on the beach or you'd never work again. And I find that that feels like a big lie about happiness, too, because 
I'm happiest when I'm actually creating and participating in life. Yeah, I know. But the thing is, it's like, you know, it's like, would you, you know, it's like if you knew you were dying tomorrow, wouldn't you want to create something today to leave behind? Mm. And that's the other thing I don't get that people don't, that people don't choose that. Yeah. Why aren't you looking for what you can create that will create, you know, will be a future for the rest of the world? Yeah. You really changed my life, Gary, and when I went to a seven-day event in Costa Rica and you gave an assignment um, to look at basically what, what you would want to be remembered as. What would you want your headstone to say? Yeah, your epitaph. Your epitaph, yeah. And I wrote my epitaph and I was so um, overcome by looking at what I would like to be remembered as, where I was creating that and where I was not, where I was creating the opposite of that. Like so much stuff came up that really shifted the way I, I make choices daily, I think. Yeah, and that's the way it should be. Yeah. You know, it's like you got to look at what can be, not, you know, not what will be, what should be, but what can be. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's like, and if you start thinking about what can be, there's a different reality that can occur. And that's the whole idea of being aware of. If you knew, you know, it's like the one thing I noticed is I had, you know, my dad, the two years before, before he died, he had, he had, uh, well, he kind of seriously pissed me off. Basically, what it boiled down to is I had a friend who had taken boxing lessons and he came over and he said, yeah, he said, he said he was. He had taken my name out of a hat. And he was choosing me on, which means he was going to fight me. And he had decided he was going to fight me, and I was the one he had chosen because, because this is, this is what he thought was the way to prove he had, you know, good skills. I said, I don't want to fight you. You're my friend. I'm not going to fight you. Are you crazy? So I, you know, it's like. I went in the house and, and I told my parents and my dad said, you get out there and you, you know, you take it like a man. And I went, what? Go out there and prove you're a man. So I went outside and I stood there and I let him pound on me. He got in three good blows, bloodied my nose. And I came back in and I looked at my dad with total anger and total disdain. And I said, you happy now? And I didn't talk to him for two years. That was the last two years of his life. When he died, I realized, wow, I hadn't talked to him in two years because I was angry. And that created what? That created a place where I could never, I could never, you know, talk to him again. Mm-hmm. And I realized, you know what? That, that was not a great decision to make because... All I had left at the end of it was all the disappointment of myself for the anger I'd made more important than telling him I cared about him. Mm. And you know what? When you do that, when they do that, it's like it changes things. Yeah. Wow. I was, you know, I was on Facebook yesterday, Gary, of all places, and just noticing, like, The little likes, the little comments, the little, I actually realized that it it can matter. It can make a huge difference in somebody's universe 
anywhere that you express your caring or a contribution to somewhere. I was like, you know what? Some Facebook likes really change people's worlds. You know, it's like, it's amazing, isn't it? You know, it's like, you know, it's like, it's just, it's just an amazing thing to see what people choose. Yep. And it's like, I talk with people and it's like, it's like, I'm always grateful for what they do for me. Because, you know, it's like if somebody does something for me, I express my gratitude today because I might might not see them tomorrow. Mm. They might be gone. I might be gone. I don't know who's going to be alive. I don't know who's going to be dead. I don't know who's going to be doing anything. But I don't like that I haven't said things to people that are kind. Mm. You know? Always better to be kind than not be kind. And you always do that. I watch you and am blown away by the time that you take to acknowledge people. Always. Yeah. Well, it's like, because it's like literally, it's like if I was gone tomorrow, what would they think about me? Mm-hmm. That son of a bitch didn't say anything to me. Uh, yeah. Well, I got a call from somebody yesterday and she was upset because her book wasn't number one on the hit parade of the Access website. I said, well, you know, so why don't you call and ask for it? My feelings are hurt. I go, what do you mean your feelings are hurt? Why would you want to be that unhappy? You know what? If you don't ask, you can't receive. Yeah. You really got, you know, you really got to know. Hmm. So can you say more about that? With Like, we love to take things personally. And, and that's what that energy is. It's like Access is creating 50 million things. Nobody's not putting that book up to upset her. But that's what, like, what is, is, is that just loving unhappiness? Yeah. You know, we'd rather be unhappy and miserable than ask a question that would change it. Right. And thinking that the world revolves around you. I know I'm guilty of that all the time. Like, well, why didn't they do that? And Well, I wasn't in their universe at all when they made their choice. <laughs> they actually, the whole world doesn't revolve around me all the time. Well, it does, but yeah. Well, thanks, Gary. I had hoped you'd say that. Yeah, because, you know, it's like we know it. You know, it's all about you. <laughs> but some people get confused sometimes. And I they forget oh, that. That's because they're not spot. You know, they're not smart. <laughs> hmm. Now, it's much better if we're, you know, everybody's smart. Okay, we have somebody with a question. We have Mandy from Canada. Hello. Hello, Mandy. How are you? Hi, Gary. I'm good. How are you? Good. What can we do for you? Thank you so much for taking my call and for this wonderful talk you guys are doing. Um, My question is, so I work as a speaker for, um, and I work with children in the school system. Uh Uh-huh. the second I get to work, I am so tired. I want to fall asleep, and it's almost like I want to get out of there faster than I even got there. And okay. Can I ask you a question? Yes, please. Any of these kids on drugs? Um, I don't. Th- they're most of the kids that I work with are younger. That doesn't mean they're not on drugs, honey. They're starting as early as eight these days. Okay, it's possible. Okay, are you, you know, it's like, are you a healer? 
Truth. Yes. Okay, so the one thing that I know about healers is that if you go into an environment where people are either incredibly tired, you know, have are on drugs or are not capable of actually being present in life, you try to take that out of them and put it in your body thinking that's going to make them better. Is that what you're doing? I don't think so. Oh, good. If you're not thinking so, you're lying. (laughs) Okay, yes. Okay, so it's like, look at it. Doesn't it make you feel lighter to think yes than no? Yes. Okay, so that's what you're doing. You're, you're, you know, it's like you're literally taking stuff out of them to try and make them better. You How do I do not do that? Because it excited me. So I go to work and I want to help these children, but okay, I just so can't leave. I can't even There's the problem. There, there's the problem. Yes. I want to help them. You don't want to help them. You want to empower them. Okay. Help. It's a place of superiority, number one. But in order to do help, you have to take things from people that are hurting them. Empowering them is letting them know how to create something different. Okay. So ask when you, you know, get there, okay, so how can I empower these kids today? And I think you'll find that things start to change. And I won't want to fall asleep when I get there. I can't keep my eyes open. But the second I leave, I'm wide awake and happy again. Yeah, that's because basically their unhappiness you're trying to take into your body instead of going, how can I empower these kids to have a different choice? Am I doing that with the teachers too? Because even when I meet with the teachers, it's the same thing. Uh, You know, it's like I can guarantee you that 90% of them are doing the same thing you're doing because they want to help and it's not working. Yeah. Okay. Unfortunately, the... The system we've, you know, created in life that doesn't actually work. And we need to get to the point where we're doing it from empowering, not from trying to help. So empowering them. Okay. So that, that makes sense. So if you start to do from that, I think you'll find amazing changes occurring. Okay. And then I judge myself for not doing my job properly and just leaving and not wanting to be uh, there. Yes. Well, I mean, if you're trying to help, you have to judge yourself. If you're empowering, you don't have to judge yourself because it's their choice. Okay. Yeah. It'll make it easier on you. Yes. But if you like it hard, it's okay. Yeah. Life is really not a penis. The only time it's good is when it's hard. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yes. Try that. And, you know, call me back if it doesn't work. I'll give you some other ideas. Okay, thank you. Can I ask one more quick question? Yes. Um, basically, um, it's, it's a little unrelated, but my parents both cheated on each other. Um, and then my mother told me never to trust men. And I recreated that in my marriage. And I married a man who cheated on me and then left. So whenever I hear the word trust, like there's a huge intensity that I sense in my body. Good. So is it trust or not trust that you're more interested in? See, it's like if you're not willing to trust a man, have you ever been a man in another lifetime? Yes. 
So would you have to not trust you ever because you were a man? Yes. You trust you all the time? No. Well, maybe you should try that. You might be better than you think you are. Okay. And what ethnic background was your husband? Jewish, Canadian. Jewish, okay. Jewish husbands always have to cheat on their wives and have a mistress and cheat on the mistress in order to prove that they're men. You're going to marry a Jewish man, always plan on it, and just make him pay you a lot, give you lots of jewelry when he does it. <laughs> okay. It works. It works? <laughs> yeah. I don't get that. <laughs> Well, it's like the thing is, it's like, he's Jewish, he's guilty. Yeah, that's why I'm saying I don't want to be a Jewish man now. <laughs> well, it's like, hey, you might choose a Jewish man and use the guilt to get lots of jewels. <laughs> okay. You're making it so serious, you're going to be unhappy with anybody you're with. That's not working, darling. It's not working. So to get clear about it. You know, it's like one of the things I tell people, it's like I've told people before, you know, it's like you got to get that, you know, when you have, you know, when you have a life, you've got to look at what actually is, not what you think it ought to be, not what you want it to be. Got to look at a different possibility. So one of the things that's true is that, you know, it's like there's certain ethnic backgrounds that it's culturally considered an appropriate thing to do. You know, it's like Latin men, French men, you know, it's like Jewish men, Italian men, South American men, any, you know, one of Latin descent. Pretty much they all have to have a wife, a mistress, and cheat on their mistress in order to feel that they're truly a man. Is that the woman's fault or is that the man's lack of awareness? Of himself. The man's lack of awareness of himself. So what if you didn't doubt yourself and realize, oh, I could marry a man like this as long as you know, as long as I know he's gonna cheat. Then when he cheats, I gotta make him guilty enough to give me a big piece of jewelry to make up for the damage he's done. <laughs> okay. Called the pragmatics of relationship. Yes. Blossom, have I taught you a few <laughs> things with relationships? <laughs> you are a master. I just want to say to people out there, just try what he says, even if it sounds crazy. He has made my relationship so easy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. It doesn't make your relationship easier, just an interesting point of view. But if you make your life, inter- if you make your life easier... And you make everybody else's life easier. It's like, then you're going to be happy for the rest of your life with a lot of jewelry to go to, you know, to, you know, go away with if you decide to go away. Yeah. Okay. I just learned to trust my awareness versus my monkey mind that goes off. Yeah. You know, it's like you keep trying to use your mind to determine things when in actuality, if you would just spend the time Trusting you. Because yes. you might be way better than you think you are. I think that's the thing. It's just learning to trust myself and my own awareness. Yeah. And that's what you got to shoot for. Okay? Yes. 
Okay, so, thank you so hey, folks, much. Thank you for calling, and uh, we have to go to break now. So we'll come back after the break, and we'll take a call from Michael from Los Angeles. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Hey, everybody, this is Dr. Dane here, and I would like to invite you to an adventure in being. I've just written and finished a new book known as Being You, Changing the World. Are you one of those dreamers? One of those people who's always known that other possibilities should be available but haven't yet been able to see them be created? Well, I wrote this book for you. In it, you'll find tools, processes, and unique perspectives to change the things you've always wanted to change but didn't know how. In it, you'll find an invitation to a different possibility for a way that we can be in this world that changes not only our lives, but by being us, allows us to contribute to changing everything planet-wide that doesn't work. Are you aware that truly great people, truly being them, is the only thing that has ever created a great change on this planet? Are you willing to step up? Are you willing to be one? Check out a copy of my new book, Being You, Changing the World. I invite you to go to beingyoubook.com for a free gift. When you're pondering the big questions like, is there more than this? How can I have a happy relationship? What would it take to like my body? And how do I make more money? Where do you go for information and tools? Check out the online store at accessconsciousness.com. AccessConsciousness.com has books, DVDs, instant video, and audio downloads, online classes, and so much more. Subjects include abuse, changing your body, recovery, raising children, business techniques, tools to generate more money, how to have better sex and healthier relationships, just to name a few. At AccessConsciousness.com, you can also find facilitators who teach local classes on a variety of subjects. AccessConsciousness.com, your one-stop shop for tools to assist you in changing your life. All of life comes to us with ease, joy, and glory. Go to AccessConsciousness.com to learn more. Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are tuned in to Access Consciousness. To join in on the discussion today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to va at accessconsciousness.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, everybody. It's Gary and with the Access Consciousness Falderall and my sweet guest, Blossom Benedict. Hey, we have a, Blossom, we have a caller from Los Angeles, Michael. Nice. Hey, Michael. Uh, hello? Hello. Hello. Can What's you, up? Yeah, oh, so you can hear me. Okay. Good. I'll, I'll make this quick. Um, I am an artist, musician, director, and 
I want what I do to get out there to the world in the same way that James Cameron and Jay-Z is out there in the world. I'm not ashamed to say that I want to be extremely famous and extremely wealthy because I'm extremely good and talented at what I do. Okay. And maybe there's some blocks in the way that I don't know about. And it took me a minute to get to this phone call, but I have like no other recourse. And so I am willing to listen to people other than myself. Good. I got a couple of suggestions for you. Okay. Start running. Uh, put on a loop. What energy, space, and consciousness can I be to be more successful than I think is possible for all eternity? Okay, that's good. I just lightened up. Okay. Everything that doesn't allow that to show up times a godzillion, right and wrong, good and bad, pot and pock, all nine shorts, boys, mouth. Put that on a loop and listen to it for 60 to 90 days. And that's these, okay. what starts to show up. And the other thing you want to do is every time something occurs that's bad, go, how's it getting any better than this? And every right. time something good occurs, go, how's it getting any better than this? Okay. And what will start to happen is things will start to shift very quickly so that you start to have more success. I can live with that. And there's one other one you can do. What is so vital about success that I have stopped it? Mm. And that creates that, destroying uncreated all. Right and wrong, good and bad, pot and pock, all nine shorts, boys and beyonds. Because if you make success vital, then what happens is you miss awarenesses of opportunities that show up for you that would give you that. Because if you make it vital, then you've defined how it's supposed to look instead of being willing to find it and get that, you know, the energy will seek you out as you ask a question. Always be in the question, never be in the answer. Okay. That helps a lot. I have one other small question. I have heard, okay. uh, I've heard people say that sometimes drugs is like a really, really bad thing. I'm... I grew up in a drug culture, so I'm definitely not for drugs. I haven't really done any drugs all my life except for nicotine. I used to smoke, but I don't anymore. Um, but medicinal marijuana does seem to help, and my father-in-law, who I care for very, very much, is going through some things, along with my mother-in-law. Um, in, that, in that instance... Would medicinal marijuana be a bad thing for people to use if it's done in, you know, just them taking it for whatever ailments they have? Because I've seen where, you know, it's helped cure cancer, you know, breast cancer, lung cancer, prostate cancer, you know? It's, yes, there are lots of things that it can help. The thing is okay. that what you got to get, that there's, you know, it's like, and the thing is if you live with somebody who's doing marijuana, your money no. flows get weird. Okay. Okay. You're not living with them, no problem. If you're living with somebody who's smoking dope, you got 90% chance of your money flows getting really strange and weird. Okay. Well, just do. I don't have that problem right now, so. Okay, good. So just, just to let you know, that's the one thing about drugs is that it's like, you know, for me, when I get around somebody who's smoking dope, I feel like I've been pulled down a rabbit hole backwards. Right, right, and right. When one of my sons was living at home smoking dope, it's like 
I could never fucking balance my checking book. I kept going, yeah, what I the hell that. is, why can't I balance this damn checking book? He swore and still swears that he never took any money out of my accounts, but I could never make anything balance when he was living with us. As soon as he right. moved out, everything straightened out. I got it. That's that. Just be aware of me out. I will. Cool. Absolutely. Thanks Thank for calling, so much, Mike. Gary. Absolutely. Thank you. Take care. Good luck. Okay. Miss Blossom, Gary, we have. Yeah. I just, yes. I've heard you say that so many times. Do you have any idea why that is or it's just that it is? It's just something you've noticed. <laughs> I don't know why it is. I just know that it is. Okay. I've experienced it, you know, like continuously. And all the people that I know who have done drugs, they had these weird financial things occur in their life where, you know, things were working and then they weren't. Things were working and they weren't. And it's like, and it wasn't, none of it made logical sense. And I think if you sort of look at the energy of what happens with, you know, it's like, well, I I guess best explain experience in my life was I went to a party after I stopped smoking dope and I did it for a lot of years so I'm not doing this from stupid land uh, but at any rate I went to a party and there were like 10 people sitting at a table and they started passing a joint around and I just passed it I didn't smoke any of it but it's like literally at, within 10 minutes, there were nine different conversations going on at the table, and the only person who knew that there were nine different conversations going on was me. Mm. Nobody else got it. And I looked at it and I went, oh, my God, I must have been so stupid when I was smoking dope while I was thinking I was being so smart and that everybody got me. Mm. So it sort of changed my point of view about what I was choosing, why I was choosing, and everything else. Mm. Is all of that linked to this topic of happiness in some way? Like, is yeah. that why a people... Whole, a whole lot of people do drugs thinking they're going to get happier. Right. Drugs make them happy, which, you know, is like really interesting because one of the things we've discovered with access is 90% of the people who do, you know, drugs or alcohol are actually trying to cut off some of their awareness because their awareness is so intense they don't know how to deal with everything they're aware of. So if you get that that's what you're trying to do, different possibility occurs. So we have another caller, Sephora from, from Massachusetts. Sephora, are you there? I am. Hi, Gary. Hi, Blossom. How hey. are you? I'm, so I have these, like, my whole life, but it's changed. Um, like when I was a kid, I'd be like, bicycling along, having a great day, and then I'd go, oh, but there's all this suffering in the world. How can I be happy? And I got over that, but but now I'm, it's, it's like it's kind of still happening in some way that, that I'll have a period like I'll be happy for a couple months, I'll be happy for a couple weeks, a couple days, and then something will come up in my life, like a friend dies or or some crisis or something like that. And what is that? It's called awareness. <laughs> but it's like <laughs> I feel like I can't be happy if that... Yeah, but that's what you've been taught. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's like I bought that. Yeah, you bought crap from Crapco in bulk. 
<laughs> well, you aren't supposed to be happy if you have a friend dying, right? Or you're in bankruptcy or, I mean, there's just all these things we're told. Yeah, but it's like the thing is that it's like one thing that was, honestly, I filed bankruptcy one time and it's like I, you know, it's like I, you know, it's like I was miserable about it because it meant something. Yeah, it's significant. Is it like like I'm making it important? The individual thing and I have to like clear that individual thing I'm making more important than being happy? Well, yeah. So like, so if you died tomorrow, would it be really important? Not to me. (laughs) Right. If you, yeah, it's like 10 years from now, is it going to be important? No. Then why is it important today? Huh. See, this is, this is the thing. You got to look at, okay, is this going to be important in 10 years? If it's not going to be important in 10 years, then it is important. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be important if I die? No, then it's not important. Not getting any lighter. Nope. But you got to get that, you know, what am I making significant that isn't significant that if I didn't make it significant would give me the freedom to be happy. That's lighter. <laughs> okay, good. And everything doesn't allow that to show up times a godzillion. We just try to create it all. Yeah. Okay, right and wrong, good and bad, pot and pock, all nine shorts, poison me out. Support, we only have like a minute before we have to close. So I want to thank you for calling in. And if we didn't answer all your stuff, call in. Well, next week, I, uh, I don't know how we're doing next week because we're in England. So I have no clue what's happening next week. <laughs> Well, so, thank you very much. Thank you for calling in, and I hope we get to talk to you again soon. All and right. Just be happy regardless of anybody else's point of view. It's not important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there you have our world. Mm. You know, your world is to be happy now, isn't it, Blossom? It is. It is to be happy. It is amazing how often I get to choose that. I let myself choose that. Uh, I'm so grateful. Hey, I'm grateful too. So welcome to our world where gratitude creates happiness and happiness creates possibilities and possibilities create more in life than we ever thought was possible. So thanks everybody for joining us on this this great topic of unhappiness. And uh, Blossom, thanks you so much for calling, you know, joining me here because it's like I wouldn't have been able to do this on my own and I thought I could oh thank you it's always such fun for me I'm grateful thanks so much all right welcome to our world and we'll see you next time on access consciousness we appreciate you joining us this week for access consciousness the radio show To find out more about Access Consciousness, please visit our website at accessconsciousness.com. Be sure to come back next Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition of our show with Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have an excellent week. Welcome to the world.